0: You're listening to Graphic Novel Explorers Club Podcast, an audio book club. Greetings, Explorers. I'm one of your hosts, Aubrey, joined by Dennis and Johnny. Today, we are discussing About Betty's Boob by writer Vero Cazzo and artist Julie Rochelow. We hope you've read today's title because all three of us have read the book. So beware. Spoilers ahead. Graphic Novel Explorers Club is available wherever fine podcasts are found, including YouTube. So be sure to leave a review and subscribe wherever you listen to the show.
1: All right, everyone. That's right. We're back with a new episode, uh, second episode of our sixth season of the podcast. And we're looking at About Betty's Boob, written by Vero Cassel, illustrated by Julie Rochelle. (laughs) I know I'm butchering these names, but I love doing (laughs) a terrible French accent. Lettering by Darren Bennett, that's not really all that Frenchy, but uh and then published by Archaea Entertainment, which is an imprint of Boom Studios, who's done some really good comic books. If you go to our our website and you just type in Boom Studios, you'll see the books that we were, we have reviewed. I think um the Beast of Burton is Boom Studios, which we thoroughly enjoyed a couple of years ago.
2: I also have to say I've lost track of how many foreign authors or artists we've covered, but I always enjoy their take on things. Uh, I know. I think we've had another
1: French book. Was was that World War Two book was French, right? Technically speaking, yeah. The book we read, the, the uh, second book that we read, I guess one of the second books we read. Seconds books uh, was the Golden Age book one, which was a uh, another French duo, French writer and a French illustrator. That book was amazing. Amazing art, just like this book. Amazing art. Long line of fantastic French. Artist isn't um, Tintin, or was he Belgium? I think I was Belgium.
0: Belgium, was, yeah.
1: He was Belgium, but yeah, amazing comics. But yeah, like I, I probably said in
2: previous episodes, you know, I always either am uh, American centric or, you know, I think about Japanese manga. I don't often think about Europe as being, you know, hotbed for talent, but obviously I'm clearly wrong. And there's quite a number of stories that come from there that are amazing.
1: I believe, and I'm if, if I get this wrong, please someone out there, one of the explorers, set me straight. But I believe French and Belgian comics were put out, and especially in the '60s and the '50s, in very high volumes because Italian readers loved them. Hmm. So a lot of a, a lot of that output was directed towards the the French reader or Italian readers, right? Hmm. It's it's one of those triangles, something like that, or maybe it was Italian <laughs> comics were for. The French readers, but we are on Patreon Explorers and we've got a lot of new stuff coming out through our Patreon, like author interviews. You're going to get early access to episodes and a bunch of other stuff. So go check that out if you want to listen or uh, support the podcast through Patreon. We would love that.
0: Patronize Sat us. The, yeah,
1: <laughs> patronize us. <laughs> uh, but the story of about Betty's boob is Betty is a young woman who is prior to the start of the comic book diagnosed with breast cancer and the the book picks up with her basically right after having her left breast uh removed and then after losing her breast she loses her boyfriend or breaks up with her boyfriend or boyfriend breaks up with her depending on how you want to look at it she loses her job and through that she finds her way into the arms of a burlesque troupe, and from there she kind of comes to terms with her new body and being comfortable in her new body and uh and while these are some very heavy topics, this was actually a very funny book. It should also be pointed out that this virtually has no dialogue. It's yeah,
2: almost told entirely through pictures. In fact, the fact that she has cancer, I thought was pretty smartly done. It shows a bunch of crabs, you know, obviously the astrology sign crawling all over her. And yeah, there's there's pretty much no dialogue with the exception of a few pages.
0: Oh, I was just going to brag because I took two years of French in high school, so I didn't need to translate this book at all because I oh, it Oh,
1: <laughs> you. Dennis ruined Le- it. <laughs> Le fancy pants. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, yeah, it's very, very cool. There's lyrics. I think lyrics are the only text that you get, and there's like a couple exclamations.
1: Yeah, once or twice someone yells Betty.
2: Right uh, when they're introducing her to the uh, cabaret yeah. burlesque show.
1: A lot of the street signs and stuff, I or like the buildings that she goes into in the story, I, I looked up to see what it is. At one point, she goes into a store to, to get a—well, we'll get to that through her boss. Her boss. <laughs> this book is a condemnation of capitalism, um, what happens to Betty. But yeah, so picks up, like Dennis was saying, with her in this kind of fever dream after coming out of her um, anesthesia— with these crabs crawling all over. I love that. Yeah. I was like, Oh yeah. Cancer crab. I get it. I see. And I, I was, I kept expecting dialogue to start up. And then after two or three pages, like, Oh, it's going to be one of those books like the, uh, park bench. I, I was
2: also expecting it to be more grounded, which it's not a, a bad assessment of the book itself. It's just, I thought it was going to be with the cancer, a more realistic take. It's, it's semi hyper real, which I actually enjoyed. I, 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 I liked that it wasn't so grounded as I thought it was going to be.
0: Yeah, I feel like the book felt like jazz, like it mm. it has a it has an exploratory structure to it and also because it had no words, it, I felt like I was just hearing music playing while reading it, like I could those like instrumental scores where they like punctuate what's happening almost like a silent movie. I was like hearing that playing in my head while reading it.
1: Like old Warner Brothers cartoons, how they would use music to tell you what was happening in there. See, I got more of a silent film because there's even title cards, like black and white title cards in between new chapters. And uh, it, yeah, it felt like a silent film to me, but I definitely get the jazz reference after you said it.
2: Yeah, and it even like the way the artist drew the characters and their motion. I mean, obviously, because there's a lack of dialogue, there was almost a dance to the way they moved and and lean fluid and liquid Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. so after she gets out of the hospital her and her her boyfriend are trying to get back into their new life and he is very much not supportive or or he he seems to be more affected by it than than she does about her mastectomy and needs to be consoled more than she does at one point they he, he keeps rebuffing her advances for like romance and affection and she so he, he passes out several times at one of the points. At one of the points when he she passes out, she's had enough and drags him outside of their apartment and locks him out, and her wig comes off. And the wig is very animated. It like the wig has a life of its own through the wind. So it's very dancerly that I thought. Is dancerly a word? I just made up a word, sure. I think. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's how that's how language works.
1: <laughs> um but yeah, jazz, I, I liked how what's up yeah i'm, I'm free, it's like I'm free.
0: <laughs> Johnny scatting over here i'm scatting
1: over here zoopity bap bop uh <laughs> i'm starting up a scat podcast here soon guys.
0: Uh, be
2: careful
1: with that word search both...
0: <laughs> scatology both in feces
1: <laughs> and in the musical form <laughs> One of the things I really liked about this book and one of the things that was kind of detracted from it a little bit but was, I think, intentional in, in like that free-form kind of jazzy sense is there was times I had I was like, what's going on here? I couldn't quite figure out stuff. And apparently she want, either wanted to look at her removed breast that was going to be biopsied or they were bringing her a fake one. But the jar that these removed breasts these cancerous breasts were in these jars like for them to be studied her jar the serial number was eight zero zero eight five yeah I that was hilarious <laughs>
0: i noticed that yeah that was, like, was also pretty... the price the when she goes into the boob shop
1: that's yeah. how much they cost right. also was eight zero zero eight and that scene that definitely was a scene uh where she goes into to buy her so she goes she tries to go back to work i'm like Man, that boss had no no sympathy for her. She tries to go back to work, and she doesn't like the fill of the fake breast, so she puts an apple in there. But the apple keeps like rolling around in her bra, and the boss. And she works like at a retail store selling clothes, like a high end place like that. And um, the boss keeps seeing her apple boob fall and go all over the place, so she forces her to go get a fake one and while she's there some people break in to steal the breasts i don't know what they were
0: yeah i didn't understand that scene at all i had no idea what was happening for that whole segment <laughs> yeah so Dennis, did you understand it
2: yeah no the people were breaking in to basically steal the breasts and she fights off one of the robbers and then basically wins the fight and then she can't actually afford the breasts. she realizes it's way too much so right before they had started the robbery, I think she was going to go and return it. But then she decides, you know what? I'm going to keep this for me. And so she forces the robber so the robber isn't humiliated uh, because they lost to help her escape. And so she escapes yeah. with her, with the breast. Which she winds Thank up ditching you. You. later. Right. Well, that's the thing is it, you, they go back to these robbers because they're stealing these breasts. And it seems that she... Uh, made it popular to have just one breast so they realize that they don't need them so they actually return all the stolen breasts they <laughs> stole at the very end of the story they did i missed that how did i yeah, miss I that
0: i didn't catch that either oh yeah no they, they
2: they're actually throwing bags of boobs back at the store owner which you know i mean the store <laughs> owner was kind of like what's her name from the incredibles it was kind of in mode yeah yeah exactly And I I felt kind of bad for her. I mean, I'm sure her stuff is very pricey, but I mean, she wasn't like the shop owner that Betty had worked at. I think she was just
1: kind of a expensive artisanal boob maker so and her store was called the holy grail i had to look up the name of the stores the holy grail which
2: i really liked her because you know she fitted her like uh, i would imagine a woman is fitted with a really fancy bra like she you know it was a very boutique kind of store so i didn't feel that she kind of deserved to be stolen yes they were expensive but that was the price for having these artisanal boobs and she really <laughs> cared about the person who was You know, going to wear them and wanted them to fit right and look right and make that person feel empowered and not feel like they're missing something. So I felt she was doing a good thing. So I felt kind of bad that she was being robbed and kind of that Betty was stealing from her.
1: (laughs) I also think that's part of the story is Betty's journey on accepting herself. Oh, for sure. And not needing an artificial breast. Absolutely yeah, prefer. but that's
0: that's her journey though, because yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think the shop was done dirty because there, you know, that Betty's ultimately coming to the end of her journey, which is I don't need to pretend it's there when it's not there. But I think it's valid that other people might just want to yeah. have symmetry, and then there's also trans women and drag queens who will wear like breastplates for performances or just because they want to, which is also valid. And those actually are very expensive because silicone materials to make like nice to make nice boobs like so they feel good and they like feel good under the fabric it actually is really expensive oh, to really? make so it's like legitimately eight thousand is too much but it'll a good breastplate I think will run you like a thousand because it it costs a lot to make oh. so she was done dirty in my opinion <laughs>
2: yeah no I totally agree and her the boobs she was making weren't just formed right. I mean, they were like bejeweled, I think. And yeah. they looked really fancy. Yeah, one of them really face pierced. Right.
0: Dazzled. Yeah, exactly. Dazzled.
2: <laughs> so I will say if, if there's one critique is I felt that the
1: shop owner didn't deserve what happened to her. Yeah. yeah. And her business goes under at the end. She's having a liquidation sale. Yeah, she got screwed over. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently the at the end, Betty's ex-boyfriend and her ex-boss- Wind up falling in love and like no consequences for her. This so that was yes. fascinating. I,
2: I I was I'm glad you brought it up because, you know, usually in these kind of stories, the the villains quote unquote get their comeuppance, right? And they realize they've been wrong, but they're forced to suffer, you know, in poverty or something like that. They actually get a happy ending, which was fascinating because. I found the boyfriend to be very vile. Like I didn't understand his point of view. And, you know, I've read many stories about, you know, people dealing with this sort of thing. But I i can't imagine someone would be so, you know, displeased that, you know, their partner had cancer and suddenly they're missing one boob and they're completely rejecting them. I understand maybe it takes a, a bit of an adjustment, but it's, for him to be like that is kind of horrifying. And the boss, obviously, being the capitalist she is with her not so subtle dollar sign earrings and such obviously she's an awful person so for them to find love i mean it 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 seems wrong but maybe that's a different maybe that's a european way of like everyone can have a happy ending even the bad people
0: well i mean is it a happy ending is two horrible people being horrible together a happy ending
2: (laughs) right who knows what their future relationship will look like but still it's implied at least they were happy in that moment
0: Oh, I liked what Johnny said earlier, because you said you said it's there's like an allegory about capitalism. And that made me think that that relationship was actually an allegory. And the what really happened is that guy fell in love with capitalism. So he's just like living for money now and he's not really, you know, living for love or being himself.
1: Superficial love. I mean, yes, the boyfriend was absolutely. Terrible, but I also looked at it as like some people can't deal with illness and uh, someone depending on them like that. And, and I, I feel like he just, it, he was just kind of a weak person. I don't necessarily not evil per se, but just a weak person who couldn't handle his girlfriend's body changing. And um, I freaked out over it. And then, you know, Betty being the stronger of the two was like, well then good, I'll go. Just get the hell out of here. I'll handle it myself then, you know.
0: Well, he literally had like a weak stomach because that was he was making these attempts to still be romantic with her, like get her flowers and make her heart shaped pancakes and stuff like that. But then he would like throw up and pass out when he saw her. So it was I mean, that's almost he's an asshole, but that's that is an involuntary reaction. Like you don't right. choose to faint and throw up. But like, What a <laughs> horrible thing to experience on the other Yo, end of it.
1: For sure. For sure, yeah. If you were on the receiving end of that, because there's a few times when she tries to initiate sex and they flash back and forth between when her body, you know, before she got sick and was, you know, like that's what he longed for and he couldn't accept her new body. Yeah, you know, I thought that was
0: her imagining that's what he wanted. I didn't yeah, think that yeah, was inside yeah. of that's, his sorry. head. Sorry,
1: yeah. That's, oh, that's, yeah. yeah. That's what I meant. I didn't say yeah. correctly.
2: But you're right, Aubrey. I mean, legitimately, some people have, you know, are a fear of, you know, something medical or something like that. So I was able to forgive it initially when they brought out the solitary boob and he saw it because that's just like, well, why would you just want to see that? That could be <laughs> horrifying to him just to see it isolated in a cup. But then mm-hmm. when it showed like he didn't want to touch her and when it seemed like he touched that area, he just suddenly went cold. That's when I kind of felt like he was kind of a monster. Or,
1: I'm sorry, just not a nice guy. (laughs) Just not understanding. And then later, she winds up kind of running into this troupe of female performers and one male performer. And they. I I thought, at first, I was like, do they all have some sort of change to their body? Because one of the women is an amputee, like her below-the-knee amputee. But they're all part of this burlesque troupe where they'll strip and stuff. Yeah, they don't have what you would say,
2: atypical bodies, right? Like Hollywood style. Right, exactly. Like stereotypical, um, what people would imagine is attractive bodies. But they're obviously attractive. But, you know, like one lady doesn't have large breasts, I believe. I think the man is implied to have a small penis. But it's showing that, look, you don't have to fit what you would call the quote-unquote norm to be attractive.
0: Yeah, and I think that is actually a factor of burlesque. Like, I think in real life burlesque, that is they—they don't look like Hollywood actors and yeah. actresses. They're just like it's real, come one, regular come people. Yeah, yeah, regular people. Well, usually, you know, freaks and m- misfits who often have like an alternative look and like have tattoos and stuff like that. I think that's an accurate portrayal of a burlesque community.
2: Yeah, like like Aubrey, like you said. I mean, burlesque is is a celebration of the body and you know you know being sexy in whatever body you're born in. And so it's this this
1: troupe is just an example of it. The one that's in the book. And while she's there, she starts they encourage her to come out of her shell. They push her uh, not in a bad way, but they kind of push her into you should perform with us. You're part of us, you're part of our group. This was my favorite part of the book was when she was with the performers.
2: Yeah, and I loved how they leaned into the fact that she had one boob. Don't hide it, don't ignore it, but actually make it part of the act. You know, let everyone see uh, that you only have one boob and, you know, show that you're still sexy. So I thought it was really great to see her coming into her own. And yeah, much like Aubrey said, and it really did uh, nail it for me is that I did feel with the different colors and the, the motion within the illustrations that I almost felt this jazz music and this frantic trumpet Going on, and it w- it was amazing to see without any dialogue these scenes kind of come to life uh, through, I guess, uh, a collaboration between your own imagination and w- what's presented to you th- from the illustrations.
1: So she winds up, Betty winds up, starting a relationship with the male performer in their in their troupe, and at one point they he offers her an apple, or someone has an apple, and she takes a bite of out, and then he takes a bite out of it, and I thought that maybe that meant because apples kind of are throughout the, the kind of a motif throughout the story that I thought maybe that was him accepting her body and who she is. Mm. Yeah. He
0: literally does accept her body later on. When he like kisses her scar and stuff yeah. like that. But yeah. yeah, that's a cool observation. I didn't notice that.
1: She's accepting of him and what is inferred in that he has a small penis. Like he, she doesn't care. Like she just loves the guy. And then towards the end, they have a ceremony. I, I couldn't, it took me a couple times to read this where they take this round box and I think that's where her removed breast is and I think they gave it to her or it could be wrong or maybe it was the silicone breast and they buried it and they and he says something to the effect of like so long to my brother and it I had to go back and reread that a couple times I was like oh they're burying her, her boob and that's the boob's brother <laughs> you know they're saying <laughs> goodbye to to the brother. I, I It took me a couple times to read that. This is definitely, I want to reread this a few times. I feel like there's things I definitely missed.
2: Well, especially without the dialogue, I will say that's the one detriment, but you probably gain it from further readings, is that initially you don't always pick up on the visual cues because you're right. The whole scene in the beginning with the doctor presenting the new breast, or what is a, a breast, but we're not sure. Is it the new one? Is it the one that they cut out it's it's kind of confusing and then at the end where they're burying it you know you're not ex- entirely sure what's happening unless you f- look into it a little further
0: yeah i will say that's something i struggled with reading this like i loved the story i loved the message i loved the art i loved that it felt like jazz but i really struggled with the lack of dialogue and text at all something to keep in mind but definitely something worth looking at multiple times so that has its merits too
1: Normally I do not like dream sequences and things. I just <laughs> it's it's very cheesy to me. I I don't know why. I just don't like dream sequences and things. But the dream sequences there are several in this book are very vivid and like visceral. Like there's times when her breast is like decaying off of her. Um wasn't it chopped up at one point?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or her head gets chopped up. There's like slices coming off of her brain like when she's I uh, I, I assume that meant like she was kind of overwhelmed, but I could very well be wrong about that. But I actually really enjoyed the dream sequences in the book.
0: Yeah, very visceral. I will say also something else to keep in mind. I was trying to eat while I read this. I had to stop eating because <laughs> a lot of the imagery like that, it just goes right to your gut. And I was right. like, this is not For compatible sure. with eating a nice meal. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Don't lie. It was a uh, Marie Callender's uh, chicken fettuccine. (laughs) (laughs) That was always a treat at our house because we ate a lot of hamburger helper growing up in tuna, tuna helper, whatever, all the helper lines. Our family was very well fed with those. But uh, (laughs) once in a while, my mom would spring for the, oh, let's get the Marie Callender's Chicken fettuccine. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, oh sweet, we're going. Oh, mom's going fancy with the frozen food tonight.
0: Wait, Dennis or Johnny, do you not like dream dream sequences? Because you don't have dreams. <laughs> Actually,
1: that might be why I rarely have. I rarely remember my dreams. I like go to sleep and I wake up. I'm not. I'm usually not conscious of them, even when I'm asleep.
0: Oh, really? That's wild.
1: Yeah, once in a blue moon, I'll be aware of a dream, but most of the time, I just go to sleep and then I wake up. Wow. How about you, Aubrey? Do you have dreams?
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I dream every night. I usually I usually remember them. They will, like, fade after. There's, like, the sweet spot 20 minutes after you wake up, where you can really remember them vividly, yeah. and then it fades over time.
2: I do have some dreams that I still remember from when I was a kid, and occasionally, I think other people have this too, I have some dreams that I'm pretty sure I revisit. Like, I, there's a reoccurring, like, town that I go to. Oh, uh, crazy. I remember, yeah. I, I, and sometimes I'm wondering am i dreaming that i'm remembering or am i really remembering
1: <laughs> maybe <laughs> yeah. it's uh, maybe it's like uh the episode probably the best episode of the next generation where jean luc is oh. living in the uh, the memory of that civilization right. that died out
2: i don't i don't yeah. play a pipe afterwards though <laughs> <Or> <laughs> well, you flute. won't know until you, you won't you won't
1: know until the end of the thing until <laughs> yeah. the satellite maybe, maybe the i'm satellite dreaming right now maybe yeah. i'm in a dream we're all part of it. And then at the end of your life, you'll look around and like, I've already had been dead for 20 years. And you're right. like, Johnny, what are you doing here? I'm like Jean-Luc. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, well, uh, final thoughts
2: on the book. Uh, I really loved it. I thought I, I wasn't sure when I realized that there was going to be zero dialogue, but I found the visual language to be compelling. The artwork. Fantastic. All the characters looked unique. I was afraid that, oh, here's, they're all going to look the same. But no, every character had uh, a unique design to them. The colors, you know, really popped for me. You know, realistic colors. They It was an artistic vibrant. Yeah, but it's very vibrant. I love the character designs. And yeah, I just overall, amazing book. I thought it dealt well with the trauma of your body changing and having to deal with that. And, you know, trying to rebuild a life. Everything from losing her boyfriend to finding some one-minute stand in a in a restroom to, you know, finally finding a new career. I thought it was all amazing, and it, it was a very compelling story.
1: That was an interesting scene to me because she was dancing and dancing and dancing with two or three different guys, and then the last guy goes down on her in the bathroom. And I, uh, that was a really, like, touching moment because I'm like, she wants to have sex, but I feel like that's – at that point in her journey, that was the only thing she was comfortable doing was – you know, having someone go down on or not fully naked and and engaging
0: in intercourse. Waist down only. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have so many good things to say about it. I think it's a masterfully um, crafted exploration of, of trauma in this really unique way. That said, well, okay, wait, let me say, I think anyone should read it. Like anyone should check it out with the understanding that it doesn't have dialogue or text because that said... I had a really hard time reading it and I kind of didn't enjoy actually reading it. Like I enjoy the concept of it and I enjoy like the art, but it was for me and my the way my brain works, it was incredibly frustrating (laughs) because I was (laughs) constantly confused and like would have to like search the images to try to figure out what was going on. And again, that's just me. That's not anything on the artist or anything like that. So it was it was a little bit of a struggle for me to read for that reason, but I think it is a great a great piece of art, and I would recommend that people check it out.
1: That's what NPR's review of the book was like. It's masterfully drawn. It's a very interesting story that doesn't take a not a tragic comic, tragic comic approach to it. It's more real. In, in 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 a book like this, there's it's more diverse, I guess, in its approach to like telling this person's story. But that was one of the critiques they had was it was kind of a mess to follow.
2: I was going to say, it's just without the words, there's no speed bump, sort of. And so I almost found myself blazing through it too quickly. And I had to self-regulate and kind of slow down because Mm. you just look through the images and you're just, it's like, you know, a flurry of, of, of drawings and you're just kind of going through it without the speed bump of words to kind of slow you down and think about and process the dialogue. So in some ways, I I, I totally get what you're saying, Aubrey, in terms of it being difficult. Because I did – I essentially read it twice at least. And I still feel like I need to read it again to fully get everything. And it's because there wasn't any dialogue to kind of slow me down, to let me process things and give me some more clues about the imagery I was seeing. I was just kind
1: of basically speed reading it. Because there's a scene where the boyfriend, her ex-boyfriend, goes back to her, her parents' house. And there's a drawing of the parent he walks in the parents see him and you can tell he comes from an affluent family the the mom his his mother greets him his mom and her I'm assuming the dad are sitting in like a tea room kind of parlor area inside their house they're both sitting in uh chairs like uh, fancy upholstered chairs and then she's realizes like oh my son's coming back home to live with me and this drawing of a half a triangle, like an Isosceles triangle and a square with with a dotted line through the two. And I was like, what the hell does that mean? And then it, ha- it must have had something to do with rearranging the room to accommodate him because the next scene, there's a couch in the living room. And I was like, what? I don't understand what any of that meant. Well, yeah, for me, I it almost
2: seemed to me, I thought it took a you know Looney Tunes almost aspect at that point where she just basically repurposed the furniture and made a couch so that he could fit in so that it balanced everything out and no one was uncomfortable
1: because there's a time jump like it's immediately fixed like that's right. the sort of uh realistic fantasy thing that happens there. but anyways well Aubrey, where can uh people follow you or check out your podcast
0: oh please follow my podcast twitter at bring popcorn pod and listen to my other podcast bring your own popcorn wherever fine podcasts are found
1: and Dennis, working folks, follow our podcast uh, on Twitter
2: and Instagram at GN Explorers Club.
1: Cool. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, yeah, be sure to check out our Patreon and follow us on our social medias. And we'll be back in two weeks with a new episode.
0: Bye. 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 <laughs> Harmony. <laughs>
1: Sorry, save it for the podcast, not save it. Sh- Shut your mouth. Everyone just shut your mouth. <laughs> I'm the star. <laughs>